hi, everybody. Welcome to the Rebel News Daily Live Stream. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and I'm joined by my co-host in Calgary, Adam Sos. Adam, thanks for joining me. Um, I hear our friends in Toronto are dealing with some mildly apocalyptic weather. What's it like in Calgary? You know, it actually, I, it, there was four warnings of terrible snowstorms and wind and everything and nothing. Last night, I'm coming home, went out and got some drinks with my family, and suddenly, everything's fine, I'm walking, and then this howling wind blew all the straws away. I just caught them. <laughs> Since then, and overnight, it was uh, it was snowing quite a bit here, actually, and it was very windy. I guess it was gusting up to 90, but uh, I don't think quite anything compared to what our friends out east were dealing with. Uh, they were... Uh, as, as people probably noticed yesterday, we were unable to uh, get to the stream because people couldn't get to our studio. Even the firefighters there were having a, a tough time getting out. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty wild out there. Yeah. Yesterday, I was driving in the worst conditions I've ever driven in in my I guess Sheila is frozen. There might be some of those horrible weather conditions we're talking about out there. Um, hopefully, Sheila is ready to join us again at some point here. But until then, I guess I can get us started. For those of you who aren't familiar or who are new to the live stream, um, this is something that we used to do once a week. And it was so much fun hanging out with you guys, chatting with you guys, touching base on some of these stories um, that we started doing it every single day. Um, this was an also, also an opportunity for uh, you guys to interact with us, have some conversations uh, and chat and support us. You can actually make a contribution through Super Chats, Rumble Chats, lots of these other sort of things out there. And that way, towards the end of the show, we're going to respond directly to your conversations. As always, we are on YouTube. But as we mentioned every time, sorry, Sheila's back. She'll do it. She'll do a better job. I was just saying, we're, but we're, at some point we have to leave YouTube. I was doing my version of your rant. <laughs> no, it was great. I was eavesdropping. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, the roads and the driving conditions are so bad where I live that for the second day in a row, the kids, the buses didn't run. And so I decided I'm not going to take my life in my hands to drive them to school. So they were all on the internet at the, at the moment that we were on the live stream. So I'm like, get off the internet. I'm trying to work. So anyways, <laughs> um, those are mom work from home problems. Let's talk about what we're doing here. So as Adam was pointing out, this is Rebel News Daily Livestream. Used to just be on Friday, hosted by the big boss man, Ezra Levant. But then the pandemic struck, we were all sent home, and there was more news than ever to talk about. Although you wouldn't know that if you got all your news from the mainstream media who are like, no, everything's fine. Uh, no local news whatsoever. Don't worry about it, but give us more money. <laughs> to do less work. Um, we decided um, one of the best ways to talk about the news of the day is sort of spontaneously and react along with you, which is how the live stream expanded from just Friday to five full uh, work days. And it used to be an opportunity for people to support the work that we do completely willingly on YouTube, but then Biden got elected. YouTube didn't have to pretend anymore, so they completely demonetized us. It's soft censorship. They're trying to cut us off from our nearly 1.6 million YouTube subscribers. Even the ones that hate watch us, we appreciate all of you. So that's why we continue to stream on YouTube, but we also stream on three other neutral platforms, platforms that don't really care about your politics. I don't care about theirs, which is I, 
I think is ideal. And they allow you to support the work that we do completely willingly. So that is on Rumble, Odyssey, and SuperU. And on all three of those platforms, they have different ways that you can support us. Um, I won't get into that because I think we had my delay sort of set us back a little bit and we've got a completely packed show. But there are ways mm -hmm. that you can support us. And if you do that, we'll read your question, query, comment, story idea on air. And Adam or myself will do our very best to address that. And uh, there will come a time where we can no longer broadcast this show that we're doing right now on YouTube, because we will start talking about things that are YouTube unsafe. Um, there are certain things that we can cannot talk about on YouTube. Um, and one of those things is questioning the advice of a public health officer, because they are completely infallible. It's the new religion, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Adam, you and I know that, the, that when the Pope says things, um, sometimes they're infallible, and apparently we have to treat Teresa Tam the same way. So there will come a time where we'll say not goodbye to our YouTube viewers, but just join us on one of those other platforms and we'll continue the unsafe conversation over there. So I think that's all the nuts and bolts. Let's get into the show, shall we? Really quickly too, I do want to mention that the shows are also uploaded as podcasts. So if you are right. one of those people who maybe wants to head to the gym or doesn't want to sit there or wants to listen to something while working, but wants to catch up on the news of the day, well, go to rebelnews.com, find the podcast and you can listen along that way as well. One more thing I want to point out because it was the snowpocalypse in Toronto and, um, you know, Albertans, maybe we're just a little bit better prepared for this. Um, I was saying in the morning meeting, it is a symbol of how much your husband loves you. If as a wife, you have aggressive tires on your SUV, that, <laughs> that, that where I'm from, that's it. The more aggressive your tires, the better wife you are or the better wife that your husband thinks you are. So um, we're maybe we're better equipped. It's a cultural thing. We drive a lot more pickup trucks out here. But shout out to Dakota Christensen. Mm -hmm. He was uh, the real, you know what? We'll take him. He's already passed the test. If he wants to come out here, we'll take yeah. him because he braved the snowpocalypse to go into the office um, where it was so bad at the office. Ezra got stuck in the parking lot. Dakota was all of a sudden the showrunner for Ezra Levant show. If you watched or listened mm -hmm. to Ezra Levant show yesterday, it's because Dakota was so confident in his driving and confident that Jesus was his co-pilot that he went all the way to the office and we would have had nothing yesterday if it was not for Dakota. And it took mm -hmm. him hours to get home. This is him stuck on the side of the road. He said hours and hours and hours to get home. He was just Seven stranded. Hours. My Lord, this kid. Yeah, he's all right. He's all he's right. He's all right. Good boy. His parents <laughs> did a good job on him. That's for they sure. They did. Yeah, uh, I think so. Hopefully they're listening. <laughs> Now, um, we should talk about um, something that came out this morning, and it happened over the weekend, mm -hmm. and we wanted to talk about it yesterday, but since we had nobody in the office to run this show, and, um, you know, the learning curve would have been pretty steep for Dakota since he was already doing literally everything else at the company yesterday. Yeah. Um, we wanted to talk about something that happened over the weekend, and that is the um, hilarity of Nathan Stahl. Yeah. Nathan Stahl is a former member of the Ontario Science Panel, and he quit the science panel, um, the completely apolitical science panel, to run for of the course. Ontario Liberal Party provincially. He's running in Toronto St. Paul's. And um, he, apropos of nothing, 
accused rebel journalists, and he never said which one, of harassing him or a rebel journalist of harassing him at a farmer's market on Saturday. See, today a rebel news reporter harassed me at a local farmer's market for promoting vaccines. The, that same reporter made use of the market shopping service where volunteers personally shop inside for those without a vaccine certificate. Reasonable accommodation demands civility. So there's a lot going on here. And the one mm -hmm. thing that stuck out for me was um, that he doesn't think that people who disbelieve in the efficacy of vaccines or perhaps believe in choice or maybe just not participating in medical segregation, that they shouldn't be allowed to even use Canadian anything that's happening. Is the word you're looking for there, but. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Sorry. They shouldn't even be yeah. allowed to be near the farmer's market. But the thing is, immediately when we saw this, Ezra checked with all of us and he, yeah. to find out if any of us were at a farmer's market. I wasn't in Ontario, um, so it wasn't mm -hmm. me, it wasn't you. We checked with all of our Ontario staff. None of us were at a farmer's market yesterday, although Tamara Ugolini has been known to haunt them. That's her jam. She loves a good farmer's market, but it wasn't Tamara. Um, it wasn't any of us. He completely made it up. And you can tell that there's some attempt here to hide his malice because he didn't tag Rebel News in it. He mm -hmm. made sure that we would have to look to see or someone would have yeah. to send this to us before we ever saw it. As it turns out, it wasn't Tamara. It was somebody that Tamara had lit, had interviewed five months ago who has never worked for us because how do bylines even work? So he said, yeah. speak with Rosemary Fry. Rosemary Fry describes herself as an independent researcher journalist. And he links to a story where the byline is Tamara Ugolini yeah. interviewing Rosemary Fry. Rosemary Fry has never worked for us. I don't even know if she confronted him at the farmer's market. I have no idea. Yeah. That's It's all simply an allegation. Who can trust a word this guy says to start with? Um, see, yeah, this guy. Yeah, your link is to an article where she's interviewed. She's not the reporter. Literally took me 30 seconds of research to figure out. She claims to be an independent journalist and was interviewed by Rebel News. Do people even read anymore? Not in Canada, apparently. Mm -hmm. This guy took to the internet, tweeted that we harassed him. He received yeah. sycophantic replies, sympathetic replies oh. from everybody on the other side. The Globe yeah. and Mail health reporter, Andre Picard, he's like, he retweets it. Um, that girl who used to work at Chatelaine, um, I can't remember her name. She's with the Narwhal now. It, you, yeah. it doesn't matter. You've never heard of her. Um, but, you yeah. know, she's saying, can you quit spreading disinformation because you called them reporters. No, that wasn't the yeah. disinformation as it turns out. Yeah. Um, I don't even think she deleted her tweet. But then Ezra tweets, we're going to sue the pants off you. I'll paraphrase, but put on some clean underwear because that's all you're going to be wearing after we sue the pants off you. And so then he goes through and deletes all of his tweets, never apologizes, never says why yeah. he deletes them, never even admits that he gets it wrong. Then he deletes them and just pretends like nothing happened. She just move along. I completely libeled these people. I falsely accused him of what is now a crime, by the way. It's a crime to harass a medical professional. And this guy apparently is a doctor. So he accused us of something that is criminal. Well, this morning, he offers an apology and a retraction. But there's a reason for that. Because yesterday morning, we hit him with a notice of libel. So this is from Nathan Stahl. Would you mind, uh, Adam, I don't know if you can see that. Maybe you want to read through it. 
I've been talking. Uh, I can attempt to. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> uh, little blurry on my end, to be honest. You can grab that. I've got plenty to say, however, though. Okay, let's do this. So um, I'm just going to bring up his tweet here so that I can see it on my while, side. Sorry, Andy, I should have done up, this in though, advance. Yeah. I got while it. you're pulling that up, though, absolutely. Or So you got to go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. On January 15th, while attending a local farmer's market, an anti-vaxxer advocate yelled at me for the work I've done as a physician advocating for seniors, public health, and COVID-19 vaccines during the pandemic, also for Pfizer, but that's just me reading something in. In a previous similar encounter, the individual had shared that they were an investigative journalist and was aware of at least... And I was aware of at least one story where the individual was featured on the Rebel News website and attacked my work promoting COVID-19 vaccines for Ontario's long-term sector. Then he links to the article, which wherein she was interviewed. In Wait, let's keep going. Yeah. Then he goes on to malign us, and this is him saying, it's okay to lie about them because they did this to me. And he mm-hmm. prefaces it by saying, in unconnected events. Well, then why even mention it? Why even yeah, mention it if it's it. unconnected? At what? Why are you putting it in here, here then? Uh, in unconnected events in December 2021, a Rebel News staff that wasn't it was Ezra. He's he owns the company. Uh, placed cash mm-hmm. bounties on me. It wasn't a cash bounty. It was the cash reward for evidence of locker downers, public health locker downers. Um, enforcement officials and pro-lockdown politicians breaking their own COVID regulations and recommendations that they force on the little people. We put a cash reward on images of them doing that. We didn't put a cash bounty on any one person. By the way, if you aren't breaking the rules, why are you scared? Yeah, exactly. The only the only reason you'd be so upset about this is if you were a scofflaw yourself, and heaven forbid you be held to the same standard you're holding absolutely everyone else on earth to. But sorry, carry on. Let's go yeah. through the fake apology. Right. And anyways, $5,000 if you have those images. And we only want the images. We don't want you confronting the people. Stand afar. Treat it like wildlife photography. Don't disturb the individual in the act of breaking the rules. Just snap a picture, send it to us. That's all. Um, In tweeting about the incident at the farmer's market, I described the individual as a Rebel News reporter, as I had believed that to be the case. Why did you believe that? You didn't even read the article. Um, I have since been informed by Rebel News and literally the entire internet that day, by the way, that I was Mm -hmm. wrong in making that connection. The individual does not work for Rebel News, although they were featured by them in the first article linked above. Upon learning this information, I deleted the tweet. No, he doubled down and continued to tweet Mm -hmm. and continued to tweet that this was evidence that she somehow worked for us. Um, The only time he deleted his tweets was when Ezra's like, I hope you have a good lawyer because you're going to need one. Anyways. Despite this today, oh, despite that he lied and lied and lied, didn't offer a retraction or an explanation and simply deleted everything on the hopes that the whole affair would go away, poor, poor Nathan got a notice of libel. It goes on. Despite this and everything he did to cover his tracks, today I was delivered a notice uh, or a libel notice from David Elmala of Relaw LLP, who has been hired to represent Rebel News. David's the best, by the way. 
<laughs> Dave is amazing. So Nathan should be scared. He, the right thing was to offer an apology because David's amazing. As it was an honest mistake on my part, mm-hmm. I wish to clear the record. Representation for Rebel News has informed me the following statement was required in order to avoid litigation. So let me state not uh, I want to retract yeah. and apologize because it is the right thing to do because I got mm-hmm. this wrong and I damaged their reputations and I falsely accuse someone of a crime. N- let me avoid getting sued. That's where his moral yeah. compass is at. As it, uh, he goes, I falsely accused a rebel news reporter of harassing me at a farmer's market January 15th, 2022. This is not true. I retract my prior statement and I apologize to rebel news and all of its reporters for the false accusation. But once again, Back to the unrelated baloney. Unrelated to the aforementioned incidents, I must stress that I will continue to use whatever platforms I have to defend my fellow healthcare professionals and members of our community who deserve better than to be harassed while trying to do their jobs. I had people threatening to assault me because of his false accusations. I had people saying, oh, it's perfectly legal now to uh, kick a Rebel News reporter in the nuts. Well, I don't have those being a lady, but I will tell you that if you put your hands on me, if they put their hands on me, I will drop you like a sack of hot garbage and then you're going to be sued. Um, and that is because he let those false accusations that we were Mm -hmm. wild and crazy harassers just hang out there in the world. He's the one who incited violence against us because of his misinformation but he's still the victim if you follow him on the internet. Anyways, let's keep continuing. Um, I'm also grateful to the Canadian Medical Association and the federal liberal government, of course, here's the partisan garbage, for the Mm -hmm. recent passage of C3, which as of January 16th, 2022, makes it illegal to intimidate a healthcare professional or patient. Dr. Nathan Stahl, liar. So, So like within that statement, once again, is I think another instance of libel where he is stating that someone placed a bounty on his head and implying furthermore that we are harassing him or people involved with us are harassing him and breaking the law and therefore should be criminally prosecuted. Um, This victim mentality comes as no surprise to me when their Supreme Leader, Justin Trudeau himself is Mr. You must have remembered it differently. These people are the bullies. (laughs) These people are the tyrants. These people are the liars. And as you said, the sycophantic response from people stating that, oh, Rebel News is all misinformation, blatantly unaware that they're reinforcing a misinformation narrative. And this all in line, it's so liberal, even though this is the Ontario party, not the federal party, but that little tip of the hat to Mr. Trudeau, um, these are the bullies. These are the misinformation spreaders. And listen, the thing, unlike uh, Dakota, whose parents can be very proud of him, this gentleman, if his parents are still with us, should have a chat with him about doing the right thing. Rebel News, if we make a mistake, we will apologize for it. We won't say, well, you're terrible and you do all these terrible things and you should be criminally charged. I'm legally required to state if we get something wrong, we say, oh, we got something wrong. Here's a clarification. Or if someone responds when we're following up on a story saying, well, actually, here's some additional information. Maybe you didn't have. We post a correction. That's quite simply the right thing to do. It doesn't matter if you agree or don't agree. We're always told, follow the story where it leads you. What happened here is he had the 
the course of several days to issue an apology and delete the tweets. He didn't even delete the tweets right away when it was made abundantly clear that they were not true. He carried on and carried on because he thought that this was going to be a shining moment. He thought this would endear him. And inevitably, these people are all totem pole climbers, so to speak. Um, and his intention with that nod to the Liberal government is some federal politics down the line. This was what he thought was going to get him that leading role. Um, I jokingly say juicy sommelier moment, as Dave Chappelle says. But um, this is that uh, moment where he was like, oh, this is my I've been victimized and I can climb up into the ranks of the liberal elites. Um, unfortunately, uh, the real fact checkers were on this one and you got caught right away. Frankly, you could have addressed this right off the bat. You could have deleted it or tweeted. I I'm sorry. I, I thought this was a rebel. That was completely the impression I was at. We could make fun of your reading comprehension skills and that would be the extent of it. But no, you decided to leave it up. You decided to put out this half-hearted apology, um, and let the consequences fall to where they may. You say that you're going to continue standing up for doctors in whatever platforms you can. Well, fortunately we have a boss who stands up for us in the court of law. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and even still today, people are saying, I'm so sorry you had to go through this. Go through what? I'm skeptical yeah. that anybody even yelled at him at this point because he just nuked his own credibility. I need to see yeah. pictures or it didn't happen. I know what we mm -hmm. didn't do. I know what he did. And I know his credibility is cr completely shot. But the fa And mm -hmm. then people are saying, oh, some people just live on frivolous lawsuits. Oh, this is not frivolous. You defamed no. us. You defamed yeah. us and you uh, libeled us. And you did it for sympathy and clicks and likes, yeah. like for clout. Yeah. A pol and you're a political, this is an average Joe with 10 followers. This is a political candidate with former basically public office. He was on the science council, um, moving his way up. And this was retweeted and shared by a bunch of media advocates and, and activists and members of political influence. So the, the, the a question of whether or not this was damaging is, is I think beyond question it's self-evident. Yeah, there we go. Yankee clipped out the only part that should have been included from that entire thing. <laughs> that is the crux of yeah. it. Uh, Na yeah, Nathan Stahl falsely accused Rebel News of harassing him. That's it. That's the extent of it. That's it. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and he, this poor, poor man here um, that he had to apologize for his lies um, while I'm mm -hmm. getting people saying, oh, it's perfectly fine to, to assault you now. If you're out and about yeah. and I see you, I'm going to assault you because of what Nathan Stahl lied and said we did. Anyway, don't even mm -hmm. try to touch me, people. <laughs> You'll be so sorry. <laughs> the loss will be the least of your worries. <laughs> for me, it goes without saying, but yes. <laughs> Unreal. <Yeah. laughs> Anyways, Unreal. we should... Um, since this yeah. is, let's talk let's talk about other politicians um expecting yeah. special treatment and maybe maybe not telling the entirety of the truth um get into that one casey madu yeah, so the so minister of justice yeah so the minister of justice for alberta um is going to take a step back while uh, premier jason kenny launches an investigation though this is a story that's been sort of milling in the background. Um, and I guess it's been a week where there hasn't been an official statement coming out. So I think they're hoping that this would go away. Well, it isn't going away. So ultimately what has happened here is that uh, Casey Madu, who is the Minister of Justice in Alberta, um, was basically caught talking on his cell phone um, while driving in a playground zone. He then received a ticket. Um, 
what what's troubling here is, and apparently he did pay the ticket, but he placed a call to the police chief to discuss this matter, which very much seems like interference. Now, what they're saying about this, and I don't know how true this is, it may be true, but the fact that he's stepped back and there's been an investigation, um, there were some questions about uh, dubious police practices within the police force. Um, and apparently Casey Medu simply called to say, we're saying you need to clean up your act. And I was not on my phone and suddenly I'm getting pulled over and getting tickets. Is that the core of it? So the police chief uh, did confirm that he never at any point asked for the ticket to be scrapped. He was just saying, is this on the level? What's going on? Um, but I think there are more appropriate um, judicial processes to investigate such a thing than personally calling up the police chief yourself. My other major concern here is there's been longstanding sort of allegations or suggestions out there that some of the persecution taking place of Christian pastors has been at the behest of ministers or politicians calling uh, calling police chiefs, particularly here in Calgary, Edmonton. Um, and what this may very well do is set up a precedent that we are seeing government officials calling police chiefs and inquiring through informal channels uh, to maybe maybe have favors done, maybe have things looked into a little more closely. And that is extremely troubling. And frankly, there's no excuse and he should know better. Well, and I, I'll, I'll be perfectly clear. Uh, of the politicians in cabinet, I probably liked Casey the most. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's got a great story. He's a immigrant to Canada. He worked his way up from the absolute bottom into a law degree. And then he's the head lawman in Canada. He was the epitome of the conservative work ethic. Mm -hmm. But then he started locking up pastors, not doing anything about it, being completely silent on the issue. And he... In the past, he did something that I agreed with. He ended carding in Alberta. I kind of used to be pro-carding, and I still am in some instances where it's used as an intelligence-gathering tool, but this was just like stopping people and asking them for um, their ID apropos of nothing. This wasn't like, hey, I know that guy is running around with that gangster. Let's, let's put together the dots and figure out who the known associates are. It wasn't like that. Yeah. It was just like, again, to use the phrase apropos of nothing, just stopping people on the streets and getting their ID. Yeah. Not cool. Um, so he ended that in Alberta and I was kind of happy about that. Yeah. But then nobody put two and two together that now you're vax carding people. <laughs> and, and nobody thought yeah. like, oh, you ended that. And everyone was like, yeah, that's a great social justice thing. Why are you vax carding people who incidentally tend to be minorities, the unvaccinated, right? Um, yeah. And now even this, this conversation, the statement that Casey had, um, it just rubs me the wrong way. He said, in the morning yeah. of March 10th, shortly after leaving my home, I was pulled over by an officer of the Edmonton Police Service. The officer indicated that he had observed me driving while distracted, alleging that I was on my phone. I disagreed, stating that I was not on my phone as it was inside my pocket. Okay, well, this is just a matter for, like, take it to the judge. Tell it to the judge. I think Yankee got a distracted driving ticket once. Um, you know, I, I, it's just something the cops give out um and if yeah. you didn't do it uh, we're all for fighting tickets that if you think you have a legal leg to stand on fight it and i'm pretty yeah. sure casey made a lawyer so ah, fight that ticket <laughs> fight that ticket you're a lawyer right anyways he goes yeah. later i spoke to chief dale mcphee during the timing of the incident 
I wanted to ensure that I was not being unlawfully surveilled following the controversy surrounding the Lethbridge Police Service. So this was uh, the Lethbridge Police Service were, um, I, I think it was Shannon Phillips. She was the environment minister at yeah. the time. And she alleged that she had been uh, unlawfully surveilled as a member of the NDP. Um, so anyways, he wanted to say, oh, are they, are they following me? I'm pretty sure the cops like to stake out school zones. <laughs> Early in the morning, we've all seen this. This is not like a, a sting operation like what they pulled with Carrie Diot years ago. This was uh, just, you know, they're in a school zone looking for distracted drivers, people going too fast and not paying attention. He, and then Mayu also says, I also raised concerns around profiling of racial minorities that was in the media at the time. McPhee assured me that this was most definitely not the case, and I accepted him at his word. Mm. Yeah. So this is a run of the mill distracted driving ticket, and we've got social justice yeah. issues just hammering yeah, here. There, there's two possibilities here. Um, one, and I mean, I think it's funny because if, if, if it's the latter, then this is ridiculous. But so the two possibilities are here one, he got a ticket. Um, and then called to sort of see if he could make it go away. Um, and it didn't really work yeah. and he got caught. One of these. So now he's making a <laughs> giant story about how there's racial profiling and they're surveilling him and the police force is inherently corrupt. That's possibility one. Possibility two is that the police force is entirely corrupt and racist, um, which is a narrative that I don't think existed prior to him wanting to get out of this ticket. So those are the two possibilities. So, I mean, if it, if it isn't true that that was Casey's concern, um, it's crazy that that much, those, that level of allegation was brought forward um, in response to this. So if, if there's no, no truth to that surveillance race uh, narrative, then the fact that he brought all of this up to cover up a distracted driving ticket, which frankly, and I mean, talk about strike sound effect, he could have just paid it. And then that would have been that, um, that's it. I don't, it's not demerits. I think he got it in the mail. Like it's, or no, I guess he got pulled over. So maybe there's some demerits, but regardless, yeah. um, little ticket, you pay it. That's, that's it. That's it. Couple demerits. He turned it into this giant <laughs> calamitous event where he now has to step back and is being investigated. I am very much interested to see what this investigation reveals because it's either that maybe there was a little bit of dishonesty or an attempt to cover something up or that there's like inherent underlying systematic <laughs> racism and corruption and political pressure coming from a police force. Um, so it remains to be seen, and we shall certainly follow it moving forward, but uh, certainly not the scandal the UCP needs right now, given how they're faring. So, uh, yeah, not, not ideal. Uh, speaking of police forces not necessarily doing their jobs, maybe now we can jump to this insane sure, great uh, California segue. Great segue. <laughs> LA train footage, which is absolutely unbelievable. So Vady can pull it up. For those unfamiliar, yeah, Here's, here we go. We keep hearing of train burglars in LA on the scanner. Uh, so we went to Lincoln Heights to see it all. And there's looted packages as far as the eye can see. Look at Amazon, this. UPS. It looks like Bombay. <laughs> it looks like Bombay doesn't look that bad. Like it, it's actually on a level that, that third world countries, like oh it's God. not quite there. And the wild thing with this that's absolutely unbelievable is like 
this is all, uh, there's another tweet somewhere where there's like a delayed package. Someone went there and scanned a UPS code in one of the looted packages and they found out the person had like a delayed notification, but this is LA. They're just like running up. There's other footage too, where they're just like storming the train when it stopped and unloading TVs and people are walking away with TVs and the police are doing nothing. This is the defund the police world that we're living in. Um, it's absolutely, there we go. Like, look at that. They're just <laughs> strolling away with TVs with nothing to be seen. And it's absolutely unbelievable because if some kid, went into a convenience store and stole a pack of bubble gum they'd probably put them in uh, some yeah young offenders act but then here this is happening and they're just looting tvs like why is the swat team not being sent in a paddy wagon to lock these guys up and it's because it's california and they don't want to escalate things so they're going to allow looting and raiding and uh, who's the da yeah, there it's... this looks like soros influenced da's um where they say, okay, well, we're not going to prosecute shoplifting. We're not going to do yeah. the whole broken windows policing that cleaned up New York when New York at the height of its like worst crime uh, explosion, I think they had 2000 murders a year there. And then yeah. they said, no, we're going to broken window policing. So we're going to not tolerate the little things um, and also deal with the big things. But this is the reverse. And this is like, yeah. you look at this. And when I say it looks like Bombay, I mean, maybe like this looks worse. Like, look at that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, there's like, yeah, there's COVID tests. There's medical supplies, insulin, like all this stuff just looted, absolutely destroyed, left by the wayside. And this is just like the, the outcome of this sort of defund the police mentality in society where certain groups of people can do no wrong and it's wrong to enforce this. Uh, that That is being stolen from companies. Like every one of those instances, stealing one of those massive TVs is major, major theft. And they have footage of it and they simply will not enforce or oh act God. on it. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like this footage is absolutely something. I'm sure I'm sure people elsewhere in the world, I mean Canada included, are looking at this and saying, "Oh my gosh, uh, this country is going down the drain." It's brutal. Like and the extent of it, the stretch, it's just going to fill up and they know this is happening and they're absolutely failing to act. Well, and yeah. just think like this is not a free crime, right? Like these the costs of theft. Yeah. And replacing yeah. this stuff gets factored into the cost of your goods. So this rises yeah. the price for the concern, consumer who's actually buying these things as opposed to stealing these things. So when you think, oh, you know, like this is a victimless crime, the big companies are just going to eat the cost and they'll just reship the item to the person who bought it. Oh, no, no, my friend. Mm -hmm. um, this stuff trickles down to the consumer. There's nobody eating this increased cost, yeah. except you at home every time you order something online. Well, and I mean, and how many people there's medical equipment they're waiting on, how many people won't get a present in time for a kid's birthday, like it, that, that's stuff going to people to live their lives, not to mention that we're dealing with massive supply chain issues. And then not only not only are we dealing with that, but now it's okay to intermittently loot the limited supplies that we do have, and authorities won't do anything just like they're not doing anything about the supply chain issues. It's absolutely 
ridiculous and absolutely staggering. And for another smooth segue, as long as you're okay with this, um, it's funny how yeah. reflective this is of the Biden uh, saying that George Floyd's death was more in impactful than Martin Luther King's on Martin Luther King Jr. rather on the MLK holiday. I don't know if AD has that clip. I'd love to get that audio because for people who can't believe it, here, let's listen to this. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm -hmm. death did. Yeah. Like wow. to, to say, <laughs> to say that like is absolutely staggering. And I think sadly that that is what this movement started by people like Martin Luther King uh, Jr. That movement, that beautiful thing about equality and justice has turned into victim narratives. And don't get me wrong, the police officers went overboard. I completely agree with that. But George Floyd is not caught. He, he held a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach or head. I can't believe he was yeah. a, a drug addict with a repeated history of violence and aggression. And the only reason that that blew up to the extent it did, unlike the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., who was a passionate preacher advocate for rights advocate for equality um, all around. I mean, there's some sort of stories going around about some of his uh, personal life, but regardless, generally a well-respected individual. Um, George Floyd was very, <laughs> yeah, I know, very much set up to be like that. But then the facts just simply didn't pan out. And for any sort of sane movement whatsoever, uh, mourn the passing of George Floyd, hope that there's de-escalation strategies implemented, all that stuff is absolutely fine. But for the president of the United States to say that his death is more significant and had a bigger global impact than the death of Martin Luther King is absolutely staggering. It, it's, it's unbelievable that he said that. And it wasn't one of those right after he said it, you could see his face kind of go, Oh, well, maybe I didn't really mean to say that he was all in on that statement and all in on that sentiment, which I, I can't believe. I, I can't believe that the president like that Donald Trump, he said some wild and outlandish things, but I don't know if he ever said anything quite so crazy as George, George Floyd's death was more significant than Martin Luther King's. It's grotesque. I think Alveda King, she's the niece of uh, Martin Luther mm -hmm. King Jr. She was on Fox News last night and she was having none of this. Like, <laughs> absolutely yeah. none of this. Imagine how that sounds to the family of Martin Luther King, by the way, that, you yeah. know, your your father, the civil rights leader, uh, he's, mm -hmm. he's sort of playing second fiddle to George Floyd these days. Just gross. Yeah. Um, AD, going back to the story we just talked about, about the train looting. I just want to go back to that for a second because I said something about George Soros-funded DAs. And before people think that I'm a conspiracy theorist, like um, I'm just obsessed with uh, George Soros, I'm definitely not. Um, this is yeah. an article from the New York Post that I just sent to AD uh, because I read the entire internet every day before I go on air. And um, the LA district attorney, George Gascon was backed by George Soros and has presided over a crime spike since he was inaugurated in December 2020. So um, 
Tom Cotton, God love that man. Everywhere Soros-backed prosecutors go, crime follows, said Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton. These, he calls them legal arsonists. These legal arsonists have abandoned their duty to public safety by pursuing leniency even for the most heinous crime, and they often flat-out refuse to charge criminals for shoplifting, vagrancy, and entire categories of misdemeanors. In Los Angeles, where critics say that criminal justice reforms have recently led to a wave of looting and violent crimes, Soros funneled more than $2.5 million into a California political action committee to support Gascon, that's the district attorney there, who left the San Francisco district attorney's office to run against incumbent Jackie Lacey in 2020. The Cuban-born Gascon, who moved with his family to the U.S. in 1967, said in his December 2020 inauguration speech that the rush to incarcerate generations of kids of color had torn the social fabric of our communities. The status quo hasn't made us safe. And so they're just deciding not to prosecute these things. And this is like a, a thing George Soros does with prosecutors. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the poor people actually have to live with this because crime doesn't come to rich yeah. neighborhoods. They can pay for private security yeah. and fencing and surveillance. The crime comes to poor communities and poor communities have to live with this billionaire deciding how they deal with crime in their community. Yeah. It's, anyway. and I mean, I, I figured you were looking something up on that. It's, it's unbelievable. The <laughs> other thing too is the, the underlying racism of it. Like the racism that, well, these people are going to commit crimes because that's in their nature. Is very, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is very much the mentality of people like yep. this. And we can't really we can't really go after them for this. That's that's active racism, not per, not applying the same standards of behavior for conduct within society to everyone evenly is racism. And it, it's funny, yeah. these progressives very often, um, they will, they will espouse the uh, bleeding heart talking points, but in action and in yeah. policy, um, it's anything but equality or anything but equal opportunity. Um, it's, it's absolutely, uh, the way that they operate, they create, they want people to fit into these boxes. They want people very much to fit token roles. And when people don't fit into those boxes, they don't like them. Again, going back to the Biden connecting these stories. Um, what was it? He said, if you, if you're, if you don't vote for me, you're not black basically, or if you vote for Donald yep. Trump, you're not black. Like you don't get to pick those boxes. You don't get yep. to say that certain communities do this, certain communities do that because we as we believe in society as individuals. If you group people yep. together and judge them as a group, that's stereotype stereotyping at the least or, or racism at the very worst. And that's ultimately what these policies do, because I can assure you if a bunch of white rednecks rolled up to a train <laughs> and stopped the train and started looting, there would be a SWAT team there and it would be some Waco level incident. That's what would happen because unfortunately lots of these progressives do enforce politics in a very racist way. Yeah, it's the bigotry of low expectations, which in and of yeah. itself is paternalism, which these progressives yeah. won't shut up about. But they're yeah, guilty exactly. of it. We, we should move on to uh, the Genocide Olympics, because that's in the news. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. coming up very shortly. We've got a report from Sports Illustrated saying that athletes headed to Beijing for the Olympics, the Genocide Olympics, are urged to use burner phones and disposable computers because um, of the high risk for cyber spying at the 2022 Beijing Winter Games. 
The Olympic committees for the Netherlands, Great Britain, Australia, and Canada issued recommendations for their athletes as each country anticipates China to implement strong surveillance during the Winter Games. Why are we going to these Winter Games? These feel like the Hitler Olympics. And we're just like, yeah, we didn't learn anything from that. Let's go again. Why do, why does this, like, why is this allowed to carry on? Why, why are the same people involved with the Olympic committee who keep choosing China while they're committing a genocide? Why is, and we'll talk about the Z speaking at the, um, the Davos agenda as though he's some heroic world leader. Like they're literally telling these athletes that they should use burner phones, VPNs to mask their information, discard any sort of electronics. So you're not tracked when you're back at home because the government of China who we're allowing to host the Olympics is going to spy on you. What sort of wacky nonsense world are we living in? It's absolutely unbelievable. We, we talk about like North Korea as this sort of out there crazy country we don't deal with and that, 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 that they should just be left in isolation because they're, they're egregious treatment of human beings, their lacks of freedoms. Well, China is that, plus they meddle in international affairs on a level you can't believe. All of these international committees ranging from the World Economic Forum to the United Nations to the Olympic committees, to the sporting committees are clearly bought and paid for. And I mean, I think that goes without saying when someone committing a genocide is on a bunch of peace councils and women's rights councils and all these other things, it's absolutely vexing. And I, for one thing, it's insane and absolutely unethical that any modern civilized country is attending these Olympics. Plain, like period, plain and simple. Have some other games in some real country that doesn't, well, I mean, with COVID, we can't talk about this too much, but how many countries are fully respecting people's human rights? But regardless, um, find a country that isn't actively carrying out a genocide, maybe to have your Olympics in, uh, instead of just jumping between China and say, maybe one of the other countries that doesn't have a ton of freedom, Russia, just jumping between those two countries, um, absolutely wild and unbelievable. Well, China is as bad as North Korea, but smarter because North Korea isolated themselves and China thought, no, no, no. The way to take over the world is to engage them, is to own them. And we will look back on these Olympics if China doesn't successfully take over the world. Um, We will look back on these Olympics the same way we look back on Hitler's Olympics as a propaganda exercise that the world should never have participated in and we will be judged appropriately for this, I think. Again, if China doesn't take over the world and rewrite history, looking yeah. back, uh, people are going to say, knowing what you knew, why the hell were you there? And I asked that question today. Speaking of China taking over the world, um, Klaus Look at Schwab, you. You're so good uh, at this today. <laughs> uh, Klaus Schwab. Um, introduced the president and dictator of China at the Davos Agenda 2022 um, as the keynote speaker, a model citizen that we should all be looking up to. Um, Do we have the footage of that introduction? By the way, for those who don't know, Klaus Schwab, one of the architects of the Great Reset. Here we go. Yes. At this pivotal moment, I see several priorities for the global agenda. We must continue to fight against the global pandemic. We must revitalize the global economy and accelerate its transition to net zero. We must preserve biodiversity 
by deploying nature-based solutions and we must narrow the gap between the rich and the poor to achieve more sustainable global development. With this and now with, mind, now with more on this, we're going to go to the leader of China, the number one polluter in the world, with the greatest gaps in wealth between the poor and the rich. And uh, you, like it's absolutely insane that after saying those comments, some of which are general and fine and others are clearly globalist climate control uh, propaganda, but after making those comments, throwing to uh, the leader of China, the dictator of China uh, as the model that we should follow for this. And he went on to rant at length about how bad Western countries that are rallying against China are. Um, the Davos agenda should be called the China agenda, because what more is it than that? It's absolutely unbelievable. In a speech where this guy, sorry, sorry, just give me a second. In a speech where this guy is intro introducing net zero, yeah. as you know, the climate, uh, we're already demonetized, so I can say it. the climate scam is um, is uh, near and dear to my heart um, because, uh, you know, we are unfairly attacked as killing the planet. Um, and don't get me wrong. I love coal. I love coal-fired electricity. I think we should never get off it. Alberta is the Saudi Arabia of coal and the cleanest, some of the yeah. cleanest burning coal on the planet, by the way. So we should be mm -hmm. using it. Um but mainland China has the greatest number of coal-fired stations of any nation on the face of this beautiful earth. As of 2021, there are nearly 1,100 operational coal-fired plants in the country, four times as many as India, which is second. And every single day, China accounts for over 50% of the total global coal electricity generation. And I got to listen to mm -hmm. how China is the partner for net zero, and I've got to phase out the oil sands. <laughs> yeah excuse yeah. me no thanks <laughs> and the, the the wild thing here is i think what china and these globalist elites have in common is that they're both unflinching and lying they they're yet yeah, yeah. china yes yes yeah china yes 100 net zero green good 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 justin trudeau plays the same game if you're one of the people who, no matter what you do, it doesn't really matter what you do in their world. You can do whatever. You can be in the Sky Palace. You can drive a sports car. You can have a yacht and 10 houses. Um, you can have a concentration camp full of Muslims in China, for example. That's all fine. As long as you nod your head to the Great Reset talking points, um, then you're part of yep. the club. If you dare pose any challenges or suggest maybe that we should uh, defend human rights, that transitioning off of industries like uh, they did when they tried to force uh, mass industrialization from agriculture in China, the Great Leap Forward, where, what, 100 million people mm -hmm. or so died. Um, if you're suggesting that maybe we shouldn't be transitioning to this ultra-renewable green energy when it just isn't ready because we're all going to die um, and we don't want people to die, <laughs> basically, if you're advocating for human rights in any way, shape, or form on principle, beyond these empty talking points that don't have any sort of substance, um, if you're if you have any principles at all, you're not part of this group. But you can do anything, including uh, s the biggest slave labor plants in the country, um, which, by the way, a massive source of China's wealth is the fact that they have slave labor. Very often, when we see yeah. these empires grow, it's because they're violating people's rights. Um, 
if you're one of those people, but you're willing to nod your head and tip your hat, well, then you're part of the boys club and you get to sit at the globalist table. This goes back to the train looting and those rich communities that you talked about. These rich people want everyone else living in relative squalor and scrapping and just struggling to get by like the vast majority of people are in China so that their little inside club can be rich and live in their gated communities behind walls. Because the less we have, the more they have. They want every one of us renting, not owning land. They want every one of us using a car share service instead of buying a car. They want every one of us paying monthly for everything and never owning anything, never acquiring anything, because the only people in their minds who have the right to acquire, spend, consume natural resources, jet around the world, be on mega yachts, is them, nobody else. That's what their end game is. The whole mentality of this great reset being some sort of uh, thing for the masses to reset everybody's debt, to make things be great for everybody, the, the, the vast population is simply not true. None of their actions speak to that purported end goal. All of their actions speak to centralized control and a lessened quality of life for the rest of us. Hallelujah. <laughs> so should we uh, should we move on to the next thing? Because we have nine minutes left in the yes. show. Of course, we're probably going to go over. Oh, my gosh. But um, yeah. speaking of anti-human agendas, um, there's uh, Pope Fauci moaning about yes. disinformation. So we're going to show this, oh. and then we're going to get into the things that they won't allow us to talk about on YouTube because mm-hmm. we're not allowed. Yeah. And one of the things that that we, I believe the entire world is facing, but we certainly are facing it in a very, very disturbing way in the United States is the amount of disinformation that is accompanying what should be a problem where everyone pulls together against the common enemy, which is the virus. We have disinformation that is entirely destructive to a comprehensive public health endeavor. You know, one of the things Yeah, entirely. You're entirely right. And most of it is coming from you. Um, Yes, thank you. Just, I I know, not to question officials, but I'm going to, he's saying this to himself. What he said mere moments, mere weeks prior, he is then sort of correcting and then saying that that was misinformation, but he was the one saying it very Orwellian. But I think on that note, we are going to transition off of YouTube where we can continue to talk about this without overlords ruling over us. So as we were saying, uh, the disinformation that is out there on COVID-19, we've said this time and time again, and we say it almost every week, but the quote unquote conspiracy quacks out there who are saying, well, there's a difference between of COVID and with COVID and things like that, or the vaccines don't seem to stop the spread, crazy stuff like that. That is now the information. There has actually, I think, been far more accuracy, medical accuracy, scientific accuracy that is now accepted by Fauci and everyone included. The position held by Fauci right now is much closer to what conspiracy quacks would have said three, four months ago. That is now the yeah. science and anything else is disinformation. So was it disinformation? And this is funny. This is the wild thing. And it's so Orwellian. Most people like the story we started with the Nathan, Nathan Stahl thing, where they say we're the misinformation. Um, most people probably actually believe 
and this is unbelievable, and this is how far we've lost critical thinking, that it was true then, and now the new information is true. I don't think for many people out there who are in line with all of us, they're, they're realizing that these people were wrong and that there was information out there. I think they're like, well, this is the new accurate information. No, it was always the right. accurate information and everybody knew it and everybody's been saying it. And you called them crazy and you called them conspiracy theorists. But on many of these fronts, aside from the really out there sort of conspiracies, most of what people have been saying is now being espoused. Couple of lizards having a conversation there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know what? At the rate we're going, it's probably true. Uh, I mean, if, if you say a conspiracy, it just becomes true now in this COVID <laughs> world of ours. Um, let's skip through yeah. some stuff because we've got a lot uh, yeah, going like, on sorry, here. Yeah, like. I was just going to say, like the conspiracy theory that maybe you're going to get on an endless wild ride of boosters and none of them are going to be effective, yeah. but they're going to be like, just take the third. No, just take the fourth. Yes. Fourth one didn't work. Maybe you yeah. take the fifth one. Fifth one didn't work. Let's get around to the 11th booster. See if that one works. Yeah. And you're just like boosted right up. You don't even have blood yeah. left. It's all just vaccine. Yeah. Um, and apparently that's, that's the case in Israel. Any one of us who are yeah. like, no, maybe um, this is going to be an endless, um, just, uh, tornado of boosters and they're just going to keep trying things and trying things and trying things to make sure they work. Maybe, Here we are. maybe like flu shot consumption was way, way down and they wanted to get people <laughs> into a new version of the flu shot and wanted everybody to buy in. And this was a really good opportunity to make a ton of money for pharmaceutical companies. Maybe just Maybe that is the case. And it's funny that we saw that Costanza meme forever ago, ago when you're looking for your uh, Vax papers for the Omicron <laughs> yeah. variant. And then we're literally, that was like a year ago. That was long before this. And that was a joke. And that became reality. That was a conspiracy joke. I know doctors who are very pro-vaccine. And even a year ago, they were saying, well, the whole like getting into third and fourth boosters is not scientific if you need that that clearly something's gone wrong and they need to rework it. Well, some of those people are still encouraging getting <laughs> vaccinated again, changing information. Um, the other thing that we've seen, uh, you know what? I don't think we have time for this video. Um, we are seeing people get, or should we get into the Costco video? I want to yeah, talk let's... about Satan con too. Yeah. Let's watch the Costco. Oh, video. Let, no, let's talk about Satan con. Let's talk about Satan. Yeah. Con. Let's talk about Satan yes. con. Okay. Okay. I'm in full church lady mode. Let's do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so, so like, I mean, it's a the, little the on the theology, nose, right? It's a <laughs> yeah. The theology, the theology behind Satanism is kind of it. There's a very much a do what thou wilt type mentality. Um, some people argue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's people out there arguing, well, compassion and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, like the Satanists uh, talk about conspiracy theories. How many people have been calling this the mark of the beast? And now Satan con insists that you be vaccinated in order to attend. Look at, was that Baphomet with a, a mask on? Yeah, it's it's about the stupid. Yeah, it's about the stupidest thing you've ever seen. That he belongs with a mask on, bloody loser. Anyways, ridiculous. <laughs> um, the, these these bad boy rebels. This is just the new rage against the machine. You were wearing a mask yeah. and you had to show your vax pass to get in, and you're you're singing along with uh, doing don't do what they told you. Like it's oh yeah, Satan yeah, exactly what a what meme. This is a meme. 
Yeah, this is only possible in 2022. SatanCon max vax, vax mandates mandatory uh, living meme. Oh. And oh. It's, it's funny because, um, yeah, the philosophy of Satanism, or I think it's Levian yeah. Satanism, is do what thou wilt, which is um, yeah. basically the mantra of so much like self-help garbage that yeah. you listen to yeah. these days. Um, if it feels good, do it right. The pursuit of happiness yeah. instead of the pursuit of goodness, which seems to be what's yeah. happening in the world today. That's underlying. Yeah. Like that's, the, that's the same thing as this stuff, but they don't really actually believe do what thou wilt because you have to follow the public health orders to go to. I, I think, it's, just, I think, it's so on I the think, nose, you bunch of posers. <laughs> I think just maybe they're afraid of where they're going. So they're extra afraid of dying. You know what? It confirms a lot of suspicions I have about your run of the mill, like Satanist LARPer, where it's like they yeah. literally worship the government and maybe the government yeah. isn't benevolent, which check that box. Yep. Check that box. Yep. So it's confirming all my biases I have about this sort of stuff. Clearly. I mean, the, the people attending this act like they're heavy metal hardcore, and then they're like afraid to ask for extra ketchup for their French fries, and they get their dad to do it for them. <laughs> um, that's that's it's the people true. attending this event, in my suspicion. Uh, on on a bit of sort of good news here, if we can call it that, if anyone is skeptical of what Jason Kenny says, it's me because I'm the one who asked him if there would be vax passports, and he said absolutely not. It's illegal and unthinkable, and anyone who's worried about that is crazy. Well, then a couple of weeks later, you know, a couple of months later, maybe they brought them in. So I'm skeptical of anything that Jason Kenny says, but. I'm optimistic, um, and maybe we'll, I don't know if we're going to have the audio here or we're just going to have the tweet, but uh, uh, we'll just keep talking to save time here. But uh, Jason Kenny has said that there's going to be no mandatory vaccines. He's reinforced and repeated that sentiment. He also came out and said that that what happened in Quebec with the, the plans to tax the unvac unvaccinated is completely unethical and un-Canadian. Um, so this is very much a doubling down while he's backtracked on some other um, promises like no vax pass. Um, He's publicly come out repeatedly and said these relatively strong statements that they will absolutely not be mandatory. Now, I again take that with a grain of salt because when you're taking away people's jobs, vax carting them, uh, stripping their livelihoods, not allowing them to participate in society, creating a mental health crisis, I would argue you are forcing it. I, I would argue that it is functionally yeah. mandated vaccines. Because, um, I mean, if you take a dad, take his job away from him, make it so that he can't provide for his family, you may as well point a gun at his head. Um, that's the situation you're in. We've seen lots of people hesitant or apprehensive to the vaccine who have unwillingly gone and got it because they were afraid they were going to lose everything. So Jason Kenny, this is a step on the right path. I'd say it's a step on the path towards moralization uh, to quote Paul Benedict, but you're still missing that key central tenet. You have to step up your game and you have to insist that nobody is fired and fired without severance, more, most particularly in the province that you are the leader of, because that is a very much a vaccine mandate. This has to be enforced actively. If you're going to say that you will not see this in your province, you have to go beyond just not literally having people. It's not much of an ask to not ask that people be pinned down and vaccinated. That should be a pretty yeah. standard thing. Um, I, think, I think you hopefully are waking up to what's happening here. I hope so. And I hope that 
with this, with Omicron, with this opportunity to say that these aren't the solutions and people cannot be fired for cause and not receive severance or EI based on their vaccination status. So Jason Kenny, not bad, but step it up. Yeah, I'm I'm thankful for his strong words, but I'm not optimistic that he's going to stick to them. How many times did yeah. we hear him say, I don't even know, I don't even know what a vaccine passport yeah. is. And then is when that? he figured out what it was, he was like, oh, totally opposed. And telling you, not only would he oppose, but also resist any efforts by the federal government yeah. to yeah. install a vaccine passport. Um, mm -hmm. And then yeah. he was like, oh, ta-da, here's my vaccine passport, which we won't call a vaccine passport so that I can sleep at night. It's called a restrictions exemption program. And it does all the things a vaccine passport system does. We just called it something yeah. else. So, <laughs> so our consciences are clean, I guess. Um, so yeah, he's saying all the right things. Is he going to stick to it? I don't know. But also I would love to hear him say, look, given the um, spread of Omicron through the vaccinated population, the restriction exemption program slash vaccine passport system, it's basically been nullified by this um, variant that is yeah. escaping the vaccine. So um, there's well, there was never any justification for the segregation, but you can't even claim that it's it, it, it makes any sense no, at yeah. this point. I would love to see him end that. That would be where then I would start to believe him a little more that he's had a bit of a come to Jesus yeah. moment on this issue. I'm not there yet, but uh, you have no, you're a yeah. more graceful Christian than I am. I think you know I'm I'm I like I've said I'm I'm not uh, I'm the one who has had the opportunity to ask Jason Kenny That's the true. most questions on this issue. Um, so for anyone out there thinking I'm looking through rose colored glasses, um, I'm possibly the most disappointed um, and most most skeptical because this was someone that we were hoping was going to the, to do the right things by Albertans. I think the, the Christianity in me maybe just has some hope <laughs> that Jason Kenny is realizing this isn't right. And he's trying to figure how do I get out of this final words to this? If, if you don't mind, you're not going to win over the NDP radical lockdown people ever. It doesn't yeah. matter what you do. I know at one point you had stated that you want a new base, but you will not get that base. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I know you are a professed Catholic. Um, you're accountable for your actions. So put the political posturing aside and do the right thing as a leader. Be a good shepherd, so to speak, to all of us and simply do the right thing. If that means you're not the leader or you're not the premier come the next election, so be it. At least you'll be able to sleep at night and at least you will have stood for fundamental freedoms. Very rarely do provincial leaders get to make these types of stands where they do something virtuous, where they do something moral and they say consequences be damned. Continue to take measures to attempt to save lives, do all that stuff, but vaccine mandates are not saving lives. They are costing lives. So I'm very hopeful that you will have a awakening of sorts to reason and do the right thing as you said at the UCPAGM, political consequences be damned. Uh, Adam, do you, I think we should just do one more story, then we'll go into chats. Uh, do you have a preference of which yeah. one you want to get to? Uh, no, ladies' choice. Okay, I want to do the op-ed writers, who are the reason that we exist. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> both of these people, um, Tasha, I don't even know how to say her last name, Keridan. Hmm. 
Uh, she fancies herself to be sort of a right of center, but mostly centrist kind of person. And then there's Heather, Heather uh, Malik, who um, is known in uh, conservative circles as Heather Malice. Um, she's uh, just a, an awful human being. Um, yeah. Anyways, they both wrote these op-eds where they were just advocating for segregation. And they didn't realize how much people would hate their op-eds. So, yeah, this is the Heather Malice one. The unvaccinated cherish their freedom to harm others. No, they're not actually harming anybody. They just want to be left alone. How can we ever forgive them? Well, I'm sure that a lot of people can go through their date not caring if uh, Heather Malice has ever forgiven them. Um, And... Tasha Carradine, she wrote an article. Um, the crux of her article was basically like, what do we do? How, how, how do we deal with these prickly unvaccinated people? And to what extent should we segregate them from society? And look at us, we're good people for thinking this way. She wrote that got immediate blowback from a lot of vaccinated people who were like, I don't care where you fall down on the vaccine issue. I'm against coercion and force yeah. and segregation. And she absolutely just got her, like, she got tuned in on social media. Yeah. Um, and she yeah. was shocked to see it because yeah. the the reason we exist is because these people are in a bubble where they don't actually yeah. communicate with real people and care no. about real issues. They only talk to other, like, pro-fancy locker downers. They never talk to yeah. the truck driver who's going to lose his job and the guy in the oil patch who just got a stick stuck up his nose three times today, even though he's vaccinated. Yeah. Um, they don't care. They don't talk to the nurse. That's why they need government money to survive. <laughs> Thank they you. Don't talk that to was real the people. point I was going to get to. That was Sorry. the exact point I was going to get to. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy here. Um, yeah. it's, or a self-fleshing toilet, if you will. Um, so yeah. they continue to produce content that nobody wants to consume. So then they need, but they produce content the government wants people to see. And because nobody wants to consume it, the government continues to subsidize it. And it just keeps going around and round and round. And every time there's a round of layoffs, they go, boy, why, why did that even happen while we're over here? And I'm like, I need a legislature reporter because there's too much news. Um, and they can't, they just can't figure it out because they are so incompatible with how normal people think. And there is this perpetual, very Nathan's doll-esque victim narrative. These people are putting out articles saying, like, in the Jyoti Gondek style of, like, why should we allow these people to exist? Um, These people should be limited. How will we ever forgive them? Sorry to break it to you, but uh, only the vaccinated people spread Omicron internationally because unvaccinated people had to be tested. So this is very much a pandemic of the vaccinated. Omicron is spreading through vaccinated people, and it wouldn't have spread rapidly internationally through the tested unvaccinated people. So the real question is, how will we ever forgive you? Except I'm not insane. I don't think like that. I, like like Dr. Fauci and some of these other people said, think we should be coming together and be united and we should respect each other and do everything we can to save lives. What we shouldn't do is tell people that they shouldn't be allowed to participate in society, use, and it's not necessarily even dramatic anymore, early Nazi-style 
rhetoric about a group of people saying that they're lesser thans and they shouldn't be allowed to participate in society and we need to use this health pass. Um, the rhetoric of how will we forgive this group of people? How many of the people experience who can't wear a mask because they experienced abuse or are experiencing serious medical conditions or simply don't want to be injected with a new and dubiously effective vaccine? Those people, your question is, how are we ever going to forgive them? How can you even ask that? How can you think that? Furthermore, how on earth, this is this would be one thing if it was some kook out there on Twitter blasting out a tweet, but you wrote this, reviewed it, edited it, put it through your editorial board, it was published, and no one in that entire process thought, hey, this is stupid. We shouldn't say this. No one in that entire process said, this sort of rhetoric is not the thing that Canadians are all about. No. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that that's what Canadians think, because that's not what the government's paying you to say. I'm not anywhere close to forgiveness. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'll ever even get there. They can repeal all these vax mandates. They can issue groveling apologies. And it's going to be a long time before I yeah. can get past how vile and vicious these new segregationist medical Jim Crow people are um, who were so eager to install the biomedical police state on their fellow citizens for the reason it it's not even about health. That's that's clear no. because we see what's happening with yeah. Omicron. It's tearing through the unvaccinated and they still hang on to this unwarranted virtue that they were the protectors yeah. of society. This is because the uncontrollable would not allow themselves to be controlled. That's what this yeah. is about. These people would not do what their moral and intellectual superiors told them to do. And for that, they must be punished. And it is going to be a long time before I find it in my heart to offer any sort of forgiveness to these people. But uh, I will try, Adam, I will try. <laughs> it's the best I can do. Let's get to some of these chats. Uh, Canadian mom, 1997 says, uh, Sheila, we can't be surprised anymore. The left have gone off the deep end. These people must be held accountable. And I hope rebel news wins big in court. I think we're against it. Talking about Nathan Stahl there. Rebel are the only ones selling the truth. Well, we're not the only ones, but it is a small collegial click of people who are telling yeah. the truth. That's one of the things I will say about independent media in this country between us, the post-millennial, um, true North and Western standard, um, we get along really well. There's only a few of us in the landscape yeah. and we sort of work together and we all do something different and we're all cheering for each other. Um, there's no um, punching on them or cutting them down. Uh, we've all got a big job to do. Even there, though, I think the tides are changing, though. You see some people, David Staples out of the Edmonton Journal, some of these other people, many of them vaccinated, saying, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? I think the tide is changing, and it is shocking that so many journalists are still just harping. Like, they're going to be absolutely, they're already left in the dust compared to Rebel News, let's be honest, but they're going to be left in the dust harping their talking points. And when a real government eventually comes in, hopefully, hopefully it's not the Chinese government, but when a government comes in, they're going to be, it left dead in the water. Absolutely. Yep. Um, my buddy, Mike from freedom, honey gives us five bucks. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, he is, mm -hmm. uh, an advocate for, um, keeping suspected sex offenders in jail, awaiting trial instead of letting them back out into the community where many of them reoffend. Yeah. Uh, what's going down gives us 20 bucks. Well, that's very generous. Um, Hey everyone yes. call now radio at, uh, 780, 
489-4669. This is an Edmonton radio station or text them at 56789 one hour after the show and request Matt Brevner's More of Us would be great to mention that he yeah. is Canadian content. Yeah, I, I was talking to Matt about this. All these like Canadian entertainment journalists completely ignore the fact that Matt trended at 11 on the global um, YouTube uh, music charts. They completely ignored that. And it's such put aside the politics of it. This is an incredible Canadian success story that independent, independent uh, musician, independently produced video, um, very compelling story featuring real people, but they can't get past their politics to see the quality of what Matt has accomplished here. And the the wild thing is they were even blocking him from promoting it on ads. So like without yep. any sort of artificial promotion, it got to 11th worldwide on YouTube music. This isn't just in hip hip hop or some narrow category. This would have been on your page, on your music page. So shout out to Matt Brevner. Definitely watch that on YouTube. Check it out. Um, call in all your radio stations, top 40s, everything, and request that incredible Canadian content from our very own Matt Brevner. Yes, I think it's brevner.com. Um and you'll find links to his um, Bandcamp for download. And I think she, he's got some new merch coming up, which I love merch. Mm-hmm. So I'll it have looks to get so me good. some. Yeah. It does. Yeah. yeah. Zoom in. Of my glasses on, but I know that I need my prescription adjusted. But I just, I don't want to be that old lady where it's like, oh, my eyes are getting worse. Yeah, there, there's way more of us. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's promoting Matt's song and his work, but that's just a great message. Yeah. Cheers. That's a nice, uh, that's very nice. We'll be sure to yeah. pass that along to Matt. Yeah, that's great. Good mm. job, Matt. Yeah. Uh, sea Lions. Gives us 10 bucks and says, missed you yesterday. Yeah, we were all set to go. And then we were like, oh, yeah, who's going to run the show? <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> nobody can get to the office. Um, sh- waiting to see David back on air again and play some Menzoid bingo. Sending him best wishes from the West Coast. Um, it sounds like David will be back um, co-piloting with me next week. Um, he's got the rest of this week off and uh, much deserved break. He has really, in the last six and a bit years not really taken any time off work. So um, given what happened to him with Justin Trudeau's mercenaries um, and then the Christmas season, uh, he's just taking some time off, but he will be back. Don't worry. You'll see his smiling face and his jovial giggle back on the show. Very time. Very, very soon. D R B one, three, one, three gives us five bucks. As long as the genocide is carbon neutral, Justin Trudeau is fine with Uyghur concentration camps. You know what? I know you're being facetious, but that is 100% true. Um, They don't care how they get to carbon neutral as long as they get there. And all that other stuff, the parting out the Falun Gong, like they're an old minivan uh, selling their organs to well-connected Chinese uh, communist-affiliated bureaucrats, they're perfectly fine with that as long as – and they don't even care about getting to carbon neutral. I don't care about getting to carbon neutral. Neither do these these people. They just like to talk about it because if China cared about carbon neutral, they wouldn't have, you know, all of the world's carbon or coal facilities. Um, they don't care about it either. They just care about talking about it. So, well, they care yeah. about the tax right. money and the funds they get for it. That's all they care about. Oh. 
I've got an access to information story coming up about our uh, partnership on the China Council, um, the Canadian partnership, working with the communist Chinese on the China Council and just how much that costs us. Why are we giving any money to China? We still send them foreign aid. Depending on the day they might be the world's largest economy, we still send them foreign aid. On what planet? Anyway, I could go on about China forever. Uh, C1CAS, because it's two bucks. There's a current epidemic in Xi'an, China, which is not far from Beijing. Don't allow our athletes to go to the Olympics and stop all flights from China. Who boy. Um, we've got um, access to information documents. I just actually filmed the story yesterday. It won't be up for a couple of days about uh, the military world games, which they yeah. think is actually the very first super spreader event. And it was in October. So before the January, when things sort of came on the radar and before March, when the global pandemic was called and Kean Bexty, my former colleague, he sort of broke the story that um, the Canadian government would not, after the fact, allow the military athletes to be tested for COVID antibodies, even though the rest of the world said, well, we better find out when these guys actually yeah. got COVID because we need to adjust our numbers about when and our timelines about when this came into our country. The Canadian government didn't do that because they were sort of trying to well, protect the Chinese narrative about when the yeah. pandemic actually started. Sheila, that's clearly conspiratorial because the UN said there was no person-to-person transmission in China. So clearly that's right. not true, right? Completely, even though it ended up in a House um, Foreign Affairs Committee uh, report on the yeah. issue. And and four other countries tested their athletes that came home and they had antibodies. Yeah. So they know it started much sooner. Jorgi yeah. uh, Jorgi gives us a buck. Quick question for you, Albertans. Do you guys really think Alberta will separate in our lifetime? Don't threaten me with a good time, Jorgi Jorgi. Uh, do you think people <laughs> have had it with Kenny? I, will, I follow Wild Rose on Twitter and I feel like they can win. Um, I'm not sure if, um, I know I'm a reluctant separatist. I've tried to make the relationship work. I just don't see the, how it could possibly be. Am I optimistic that we could ever leave? I'm not sure. Um, do we have a charismatic leader that would, um, motivate people and sell those ideas? Uh, not quite yet. So I don't know, but people have definitely had it with Kenny. I'm worried that the UCP yeah. is going to lose the next election with him as the leader if there is not a, a prompt leadership review. Adam, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that 100% there's a lack of confident leadership, even when we're talking about the leadership of the UCP, the names that come up are basically failed candidates from the past as the new future leader. Um, What Alberta very much needs is a leader that stares down Justin Trudeau and does not back down and says, this is what's good for Alberta, take it or leave it. Um, There's very much the similar spirit between Quebecers and Albertans, maybe not the politicians and the people, but the the spirit for freedom, the spirit for independence. And when they had strong leadership that basically said, give us what we want or shove off, they got a ton of special treatment. Um, So I don't think Alberta wants special treatment, but we would love some fair treatment. So if we had a politician who actually Mm -hmm. stood up for Albertans and was like, listen, we don't need them. We're not dependent on the federal government. We have all these resources. We can become a world superpower. And if Canada is going to treat us like crap, we're out of here. If we had a strong leader who is in that 
sort of position, people would be motivated. But as it stands, uh, we don't have strong leadership. We don't have people willing to speak to the difficult issues. Jason Kenny, time and time again talks about these minor little victories. But Alberta is very much in a state of identity crisis. We're seeing the separatist uh, sentiment increase in the province, uh, but there's no real leadership to fall. It seems to fall. There's dozens of small splintered parties, and there's not really anyone who's a full-time charismatic leader for the movement, so it splinters. But I think that with sufficient leadership, perhaps we wouldn't separate, but certainly Alberta could get a seat at the big kids' table and start demanding what we deserve. Yeah, to pull a bit of a Quebec, to say, you know what, yeah. we will leave. We will leave, but while we're here, we're going to flex our muscles and you're not going to like it and we don't care. <laughs> um, last um, super chat from Alberta Dawn gives us two bucks. Regarding the justice minister that received the distracting driving ticket. Yeah, this is a really good point you're making here. Is yeah. there not a new law in Alberta <clears throat> that says you can't fight a traffic ticket unless you pay 150 bucks in court costs? Yes, which is probably... The, now, this law just came into being so this probably didn't influence what yeah. uh the justice minister was doing beforehand but this definitely affects the little guy and actually it means that the poor don't really have the opportunity to fight their tickets because right. what happens is um you have once you get a ticket here's what what they're trying to do is divert uh tickets away from the court system because um, our court systems are overwhelmed and we can't manage to hire prosecutors, um, but we can, you know, prosecute all these people with public gathering tickets yeah. and people who went to church. Yeah. We've got all kinds of time in the world for that, but yeah, we can't exactly. hire prosecutors. Yeah. And and I wonder why, because prosecutors probably want to fight real crimes and not, yeah. um, you know, pastors. Anyways, um, I just brought up the CTV Calgary article on this. About 2 million traffic tickets will be diverted away from court and it will free up at least 10 prosecutors who will be able to handle criminal matters instead. Instead of getting a speeding or distracted driving ticket with a court date on it, it'll all be handled digitally through an online portal. People will instead have just a week to review a ticket with an adjudicator rather than a judge. The cost to review is a non-refundable fee of 150 bucks, depending on the amount of the fine. So um, what you get is instead of giving you the right to a trial, you don't get to go to trial. You're um, not really presumed innocent until proven guilty. You're proven guilty until proven innocent. Um, and it's sort of backwards. So you have to, if you want to fight the ticket, you have to cough up 150 bucks um, and then you still might not win your court case. Yeah. So uh, this well, denies, I mean, this is not access to justice at all. Yeah, no, no, yeah. This is like, well, you see, what we can do is if we simply uh, circumvent the legal process, we can free up some judges. Well, well yeah, that, that's self-evident, <laughs> but I mean... That is a violation of that's that's the entire. Problem. It's like if we just let the gas the the oil flow over land, we don't have to build pipelines. Like <laughs> the the lack of thought on this is vexing. Uh, I know Sarah Miller has talked to uh, quite a few people on this. Um, I will be doing an interview with her when she's back in town here about this. But very much this is circumvention of justice. It'd be a different story if there was no cost and they have specialized educators instead of judges, so judges can focus on criminal matters. 
lawyers. There are certain minor processes. You don't need technically a lawyer or a judge. So if there was a a sufficient and adequate alternative adjudication process that saved us money, so you're not paying hundreds of dollars an hour for a judge to be talking about petty little tickets, that that might be logical. That might be a move. I see what they were trying to do with this, but ultimately the way the policy has been shaped, it makes no sense and it circumvents law. You shouldn't have to pay $150 to review a ticket. Or at the very least, there should be a uh, opportunity where if you're then proven right or if you're proven wrong, whatever it may be, uh, those funds go to the ticket or they're refunded. But just to have to pay $150, even if you're like, you have no proof I committed this crime, I have proof that I didn't. They're like, okay, you're off for the ticket. Here's $100. You owe us $150. Yeah. That doesn't doesn't make any sense. Sarah Miller one time described Fight the Fines and the Democracy Fund as Canada's largest access to justice initiative. And she's not wrong. So she's she's got strong opinions on this kind of stuff and making sure that yeah. uh, the less fortunate have access to uh, a fair and equitable legal system. And this ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this ain't no, it. Um, not at all. Now, we should wrap up the show because we are 26 minutes yes. past the hour. So you're getting like a show and a half today, people. So I know, right? <laughs> So I think we should thank everybody in the office for braving what apparently are still treacherous roads to put the show together. Thank you, everybody at home who tuned in. Adam, thank you so much for being my co-host today. Thank you to everybody who pitched in. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who pitched in a few bucks to keep the lights on. Um, I'm not quite sure who's hosting the show tomorrow, but I do know indeed there is a show tomorrow. So um, you can catch that here at the same. Sorry. Perfect. Mr. Producer tells me it's Matt and Andrew. So if those guys are your favorite, mm-hmm. tune in. Um, and again, remember, as Adam pointed out uh, off the top of the show, show is available as a podcast too. So, I mean, the visual elements to watch are kind of fun, but I think you can get the gist of everything that we're talking about through the audio. So that's everything. Um, I'll see you back here. I guess I'm back in the driver's seat on Thursday. And as David Menzies, my beloved David Menzies says, stay sane. Happy New Year. My name is Abe Layden, Chairman of the Board of County Commissioners in Douglas County, and I'm honored to be joined by the President of the Douglas County School Board, Mike Peterson, and the President of the Douglas County Board of Health, Doug Benevento. As a Douglas County citizen, you likely have questions about Omicron as we begin 2022 and how Douglas County will be addressing it. As we have for 21 months, we continue to receive and monitor new COVID-19 data daily while working closely with local, state, and regional public health emergency management and hospital officials. And in doing so, we remain nimble and prepared to adjust our policies accordingly. As your county, school board, and board of health leadership, we would like to provide you with an update on our perspective and address questions that you may have about what is next. So let's begin with the facts. Omicron is contagious and many will get it, including even those that are vaccinated and boosted. Reports are that for most, the symptoms are mild and less severe than Delta. In order to care for hospitals and frontline healthcare workers, we encourage you to talk with your provider about the COVID vaccine. We will never mandate that. Vaccination is your choice, not ours. Also, if you have a medical background and left work due to fatigue, lack of childcare when schools were shut down, retirement, or other reasons, we encourage you to consider coming back to work to help your colleagues in healthcare. 
our perspective in Douglas County for 21 months has been not to react to case numbers, but to severity. That is, how bad are the symptoms? What are the trends in hospitalizations and deaths? While there are intermittent spikes in these metrics, we are not seeing sustained marginal increase in the rate of hospitalization. That said, we are aware that many more people are testing due to mandates that may come from all sectors of employment. And so it is not surprising to see an increase in reported cases as a result. Unfortunately, like you, for two years, we have witnessed policymakers react emotionally to case counts with fear and institute one size fits all mandates and restrictions such as universal masking, vaccine passports, and closing schools and businesses. Let's be clear. Until we see significant severity metrics, such restrictions will not happen in Douglas County. Again, instead of reacting to case counts, we will respond to severity. Instead of responding with fear-driven mandates and restrictions, we will respond with courage and freedom of healthcare choice. We will continue to monitor the data daily, and if things become more severe, we will make adjustments. However, the reality is that COVID is a coronavirus like thousands of other coronaviruses, which change and mutate as viruses do. As you are now beginning to hear from both sides of the political spectrum, this is not a pandemic, it is endemic. And we are simply going to have to live with COVID. You've heard it from us for 21 months, but the president of the United States and our Colorado governor are also now speaking to that reality with this common sense approach that you have probably already adopted for some time now. Bottom line, under the data we are seeing right now, we will not be forcing you into mass or shutting down your businesses. And we are committed to in-person learning in our schools. In Douglas County, the sky's not falling. The sky's the limit. Thank you and have a blessed 2022.